I'm here to tell you, some of you are like, look, okay, Fusco, it's all good. Church, get it, it's fine. But I'm, I don't want in. I'm here to challenge you with this. Try and find any other organization or organism in the world where you will find people of every single ethnicity, every single background, every single socioeconomic status who are all together as one body. You can't find it outside of the church of Jesus Christ. If you've constructed anything in your life, a knitted item, a model car, a piece of Ikea furniture, you've had the experience of making a mistake and having to take it all apart. It's such a pain, but necessary in order to get it right. The people closest to God's character are those who recognize their utter brokenness and allow Him to build them again, perfecting His vision through grace. Now, here's Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 8, with our continuing study entitled, The Messy Mystery. And I, I really pray that God, and I believe that God is going to battle in our hearts over these areas of biases and prejudices, because we all have them. It's part of the fallenness of our of our nature, and it's what Jesus is redeeming when we realize that, yes, the other person, the us versus them, them is also us in Christ. And that is a profound thing. So from there, look at what happens. Verse 8, he says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden by God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purposes which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now, you see the Apostle Paul, he's, not, he's still excited about this. He's still talking about what we've been talking about. But what we get out of this is that God uses ordinary people to express extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to express extraordinary things. The Apostle Paul is blown away. He's blown away by what he's getting to share, the, this mystery which has now been revealed. He's just like, whoa. Well, I mean, look at how it begins. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Now, that's an interesting phrase. You know what he's saying? He's like, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, I'm less than the least of all the saints. Now, if you read your Bible, and if you read all of the letters of Paul, what you find is Paul's got a number of these type of statements, a number of them. And it's interesting that if you line the letters up chronologically, we find a very interesting trajectory of the way the Apostle Paul looked at his own life. 
Let me give them to you. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. One of Paul's first letters, 1 Corinthians. He says, I am the least of the apostles. He's like, out of the 12 apostles, I'm the low guy on the totem pole. Then now in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I am less than the least of all the saints. He was the least of 12. Now he's like, out of all the saints, I'm the least. You know what's interesting? Some of Paul's last letters, 1 and 2 Timothy. Listen to 1 Timothy 1.15. It says, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Do you see that progression? He was the lowest of the 12. Now he's the lowest of the church. And by the time he gets to 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, I'm worse than all the sinners. The apostle Paul grew by downward mobility. He started, I'm, I'm the least of the apostles. And as time went on, he's like, I'm the least in the church. And now he's like, I'm the least of every person who's ever lived because everybody has sinned. That's what growth in Christ looks like. I'm here to tell you this. If you struggle thinking that you're the cat's meow, that you're all that in a bag of chips, that your chili is diggable, <laughs> or however you express it, I'm here to tell you that if you can stay there, then you're really not walking with Jesus. You may be church, but you're not walking with Jesus. Because the apostle Paul began, I'm the least of the apostles. Then he's like, look, I'm the least of all the Christians. And then he's like, look, I'm the worst guy who ever lived. Because in the light of God's perfections, we see ourselves in all of our needs. And it's not condemnation. It drives us into the arms of Jesus. The apostle Paul got that. That's why the people who've walked with Jesus the longest and truly are the most humble. And it's a weird thing. You'd think, well, they've walked with the longest. They would be maybe the least humble. They've been the most accomplished. No, no, no. Because the more you walk with Jesus, the more you realize that we are really sick and he is a really good physician. So if you're here today and you're like, look, I am really struggling, then I'm telling you, you're in the best spot. And if you're here today being like, man, I really wish Pastor Daniel would get done. There's a football game on. I've heard all this before. Well, maybe you have all heard it all before. I'm not telling you anything new anyway. But think about it. The Apostle Paul's upward progression was by going downward. As he walked with Jesus longer, he realized he was more in need than he ever realized. And that's why I say God uses ordinary people to express extraordinary things. Sure, the Apostle Paul had a great pedigree. But by the time he's done with his life, he's like, look, I'm the biggest sinner who ever lived. And I believe he believed that. And I believe some of us are like, uh, no, you weren't. You didn't know what I was going to get into. But that's the proper progression. The way up in God's economy is down. So, I, I mean, isn't God's kingdom backwards? The first will be last. The last will be first. Crimson red sins plus the red blood of Jesus equals white as snow. That's a weird color wheel. One plus one equals one in God's math. One man plus one woman equals one flesh. That's the way God, God's kingdom is upside down, backwards that way. The way up is down. And as the apostle Paul walked with Jesus, he became less and less encouraged by who he was and more and more infatuated with who Jesus is. 
It's an interesting progression because he says, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, verse 8, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. So you see, he's going back again. He's saying, look, he's saying, look, this is new. This has been hidden. Even though Jesus created everything, this mystery is hidden. Now, notice what happens in verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Everybody understands that one? I can just skip it? No. You're like, (laughs) check this out. The ultimate goal of creation and redemption is the unveiling of God's wisdom. In God's wisdom, his work in the church teaches all of the angels. That's what these verses are telling us. That when the angels, all of the created realm that is not human or not earthbound, when they look upon a unified humanity in Christ of Jew and Gentile, they're learning about God's wisdom as well. That's what that means. This is a a testimony, a bright shining light to God's amazing purposes and wisdom to the angels. So listen, next time you're, you're prone to think, oh man, the church is all messed up. We have to remember that the church is the angel's curriculum as to who God is. Doesn't that change the way you look at church, quote unquote? That the angels are looking upon this being like, wow. I mean, I don't think they can say that their minds are blown, but whatever the equivalent in angelic language It's mind-blowing that Jews and Gentiles, men and women, people of different races, all these distinctions are now one family. I remember when I read this for the very first time, I was so blown away. I'm like, because I mean, I grew up in a pretty nominally Catholic, Italian, Northeast upbringing, where like church was like, oh man, you know, the only thing that I thought was good in church was that the pew was just the right thing that I could practice my scales on. Seriously, the, at the church that I went to growing up, it was, like, it was just like the perfect, it was like almost the way the pew went over. Maybe I've never sat at these ones, so maybe it works for that one too. It's like the perfect little curve of the neck of a guitar, and I would sit there and I would do it, and my mom would take the little bulletin, slap my hand. So if you, you kids in there, your parents are slapping your hands, I'm with you, I know what it was like. So I didn't have a good view of church at all, at all. And then you read this stuff and you're like, wait, So the angels were looking upon the church and being wowed by God's wisdom that God could bring all of us and all the people of God of all generations and every tribe, nation, and tongue together into one family, a family of faith, church with a big C, the universal church, whether triumphant or still living on the earth, the angels look upon that and that reveals God's manifold wisdom. That word means multi-variegated. It means multi-leveled. That God's wisdom is deep. That's, what, that's the simplest way to say it. The angels are looking upon you and I right now being like, oh my goodness, look at what God has done. Look at how God has done this. Now I'm here to tell you, some of you are like, look, okay, Fusco, it's all good. Church, get it, it's fine. 
but I'm, I don't want in. I'm here to challenge you with this. Try and find any other organization or organism in the world where you will find people of every single ethnicity, every single background, every single socioeconomic status who are all together as one body. You can't find it outside of the church of Jesus Christ. That's what shows its weightiness that we send people to Africa. We're accepted into homes when we go there. People give us access to their lives. Right away, you walk into a room. You start sharing life together. You can't do that with a political party. You can't do that with the YMCA or some other organization, as good as those things are. The, the proof about the weightiness of what Jesus has done is when you look at the church with a universal C and you see what it is. That's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. When you realize that God can bring everybody together in one. Look what it says. Because of this, we have boldness and access with confidence, verse 12, by faith in him. And then he ends by saying, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Remember he started, he's like, I'm your prisoner. He's like, don't lose heart. Don't see my imprisonment. Don't see my imprisonment as something that should be lamented. Because notice what he says. At my tribulations for you, which is is your glory. Paul's saying, look, I'm here for you guys, and it's to your glory. It's because God loves you that much that I'm here in jail. Now, in verse 14, he picks back up. He picks back up once again where he wanted to start in verse 1. Notice what it says. It says, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father, and then some of our translations have, of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, here I have five things that the Apostle Paul wants us to be. I'm going to hit them pretty quick. But what we find here is be named, be strengthened, be grounded, be loved, and be filled. Be named, strengthened, grounded, loved, and filled. Let me break open each one of these for you real quick. And it's, it's beautiful how he just kind of stacks all these things that he wants the church in Ephesus, and I believe God wants us to be as well. He begins, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as Christians, we've heard about praying on our knees. In Jewish culture, that was not common. The Jewish people would pray standing up. So there's a few instances, like when Solomon dedicated the temple, when Peter prayed at the deathbed of, of Dorcas, Paul on his farewell journey to Jerusalem, of course, Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, not the norm. It's the norm for us as Christians, not the norm for the Jewish people of that day. The idea of bending the knee, it speaks of submission. The Jewish people would pray standing up. 
not necessarily kneeling. So he says, look, I bow my knee to the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So be named. Those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus are named by the name of the Father who created and who has made a covenant to sustain everything. You get to choose who you get named by. And I'm here to tell you we need to be named by the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, part of his family, his tribe, his lineage, his descendants. You want to be named in that family. And I believe that God wants you to be named, but you have to say, I want in. I want a seat at that table. So be named by the Father's name. Notice verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Be strengthened. Be strengthened by his spirit in your inner being. That word be strengthened, it's the opposite of the word do not lose heart. God wants to build us up in, inside of us, in the inner person. I believe that what going to church, one of its functions is to build us up in our faith to cause us to grow. Every time we get in the word, when we're in a group, and listen, if you're not in a group here at Crossroads, you need to get in a group. Life happens in our groups. When you grow in deep, close, interpersonal relationship with people, it's scary. Why? Because you're messy. Agreed. They're messy too. But when you get into a group and you grow with a group of people, something beautiful happens because you start to get built up. So we have to take a step into our fears of people realizing that we're as messy as we really are and say, hey, look, I want to be strengthened by God's spirit in the depths of who I am. So not only should we be named, we need to be strengthened by God. Also, notice what it says in the middle of verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love. I said, I wrote be grounded here. But it's be rooted and grounded. It's interesting. The Apostle Paul starts mixing metaphors. He has a biological metaphor, being rooted. And then he has an archaeological metaphor, being grounded. You think of a plant with its roots that go down deep, being grounded. It speaks of a foundation that can handle a structure. Not only does the Apostle Paul want to strengthen us, he wants to ground and root us on the rock that is Christ, that we wouldn't be tossed about by the waves of life, but we would stand firm in who he is. We need to be rooted and grounded in him. And not only that, look at what it says, verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That's why I said, be loved, do you see, I mean, do you realize what he's saying here? He's saying that we may be able to comprehend that which is incomprehensible. You realize that paradox, right? He's saying, look, the depth and the width and the breadth and the height of God's love is beyond any metrics that we can come up with. 
It is deeper, higher, wider, and more profound than any of us can even fathom. Yet God wants us to be able to comprehend it with all the people of God. How cool is that? God is saying, look, I want to send you out on a journey to comprehend what is infinite. And that's why I say be loved, because God's love for you is so much deeper, higher, wider. It's got a greater breadth than anything you can fathom or I can fathom. And we spend our whole lives as the children of God unpacking and learning in all these different ways what is the most profound of loves. So brother, sister, be loved today. Be loved. So many of us are trying to find the love of other people to value ourselves, and it's completely futile because they can't love us with this love, this incomprehensible love. The only place we find it is in God, in the finished work of you. It's the only place it is. You, and listen, a lot of us have tried in a lot of places. The only place it's found is in the Lord. And then finally, be filled. Be filled. Look at the end of verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's why I skipped over something very, very similar in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now we have that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is where the rubber meets the road in regards to Christianity right there, that God wants to fill humanity with all of his fullness, that you and I and all the people of God would be a habitation for the true and living God living out in the world. Are you full unto the fullness of God? That's what we were created for. You and I were created to be filled unto the fullness of all that God is for us in Christ. That's who we are. That's what Jesus died and rose again, that we would be. That we would be filled with all that he is. Does that sound cool? Yeah, it does. That sounds straight righteous, doesn't it? To be filled unto the fullness of God. Look at this doxology. I'm going to close our message here. Verses 20 and 21. The worship team's going to come on up and help me land the plane, as we like to say. Now, notice this. The end of this theological doctrinal section, this glorious mystery that has been revealed, and now we get now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and all of God's people said amen listen let God do exceedingly abundantly let God do exceedingly abundantly listen Everything that I just said over the last 35, 40 minutes, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above that. That word exceedingly abundantly, the Apostle Paul invented that word too. It's found nowhere else in classical Greek. He's trying to find words to express something so radically profound. Let God do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Jesus is real. 
At the end of today's message, Pastor Daniel explained what it means to be filled with the fullness of God, to be named as a follower of Jesus, part of His family. We can be strengthened by His Spirit. And through the encouragement of fellow believers, when we're rooted in love, we possess a love that can't be found in another person. We're filled with all the fullness of God, a realization of the true and living God, a light to the world. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Now, the next time you join us here on Jesus is Real Radio, we'll see what the Apostle Paul means when he advises the church to embrace humility. In order to foster unity, divisions are often caused because of a lack of humility, even though we are all in the process of change and everyone is a sinner. Pastor Daniel will encourage Pastor Daniel will encourage us to look at others from the perspective of Jesus, that everyone needs a savior and what we are fighting is Satan, not each other. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Life's Messy next time. Until then, may God bless.